Quiet on the set. Action. everyone and welcome to the Movie Machine Podcast, a show produced by Hot Chocolate Media where we take a prompt from the internet and we turn it magically into a film for you. Magic! I, yes. <laughs> I am joined by three very talented Hollywood guests today. Mm-hmm. We have our writer, David McKay, who is Christian Bale's therapist. We have our director, Kyle Decker, who is Paul Giamatti's stylist. And we have our producer, Don Krasnowski, who is Eddie Redmayne's cheekbone sharpener. Welcome. Definitely. Happy to be here. Your prompt for the day. The theme of this story is parody mystery. The main character is a calm singer. The major event of the story is surgery. All right. The mystery is that we can't figure out what it's a parody of. It seems to be mocking something, but we can't quite place it. We don't quite have enough information to figure out what's going on. So in the story, we have a sad singer, a calm singer, and they are looking for inspiration. They need to find something to get excited about. They're looking to not be calm anymore. They're looking for anger. They're searching the world for anger. So what they do is the main event. They have to undergo surgery. Uh, What this means is they're trying to get an emotion transplant. They're going to try to find someone around the world, probably someone like that has anger issues, like maybe Christian Bale, honestly. Um, this is a little inside information that I that I happen to know from my work with Christian Bale. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna shine some lights on them and they're just gonna get like, oh, that's the light, man. I'm just so, mm. And we're gonna just take that emotion out of Christian Bale to improve his work um, and then I'll get some kickback from that and implant that into our calm singer. When he gets angry, when he gets this anger a part of him, that makes it so that he can he can love again. And so, as he's searching the world for other emotions, he he meets someone who has who is very emotional, who is so overly emotional, and they connect in this very emotional way, which, as you can imagine, leads to both of their horrible horrible deaths. They feel like they need to go to some place that has uh, where emotions can peak. Um, and so they go to Paris and they climb the Eiffel Tower and they decide that they just they, they can't ever come back down from that. They have to they have to really their relationship has to peak at that point. So they leap off the Eiffel Tower uh, to their deaths. But fortunately, they're able to take out uh, Christian Bale's anger part of his brain and that part survives. And we're able to give that back to him if he needs it for our role in the future. All right. Do you have a title for this film? Yes. The title is Don't Fuck With The Lights. All right. So, Kyle, you've been handed the first draft for Don't Fuck With The Lights, a story about a singer who gets an emotion transplant and travels with his lover to Paris, where he removes the anger transplant and leaps to his death. What do you think? How are we going to make this movie? So is this a comedy? I got to make sense. Like, I'm not, I can't tell if this is supposed to be comedy or tragedy. And is Christian Bale, is this movie so meta he's playing himself? Or if we're just, you're using Christian Bale as the archetype angry character and I can cast who I want. 
You know what? It's it's actually going to be uh, Ben Affleck playing well, Christian Bale's role. I'm, I'm doing the casting. Oh, I mean, I thought do you, you want, okay. want the person to actually be, or can it just be like a character called like Stephen Johnson? Who is angry, and his anger goes into a singer. Well, so, I, so we, we have the singer, the lover, and the angry person. Those are the three characters. So what I see, I, I think we have a real opportunity. So you know what people really loved in the late 90s and early 2000s? Like, they couldn't get enough of. And then a little more in the late 2000s, because it was on constant syndication, Comedy Central. Scrubs. You love Scrubs. I love Scrubs. We all love Scrubs, right? So our angry guy is going to be played by uh, John McGinley, a.k.a. Dr. Cox, because he's the stereotypical lover guy. We're going to cast Donald Faison and Zach Braffs as the gay lovers, because that's a leap everyone made already in Scrubs, and everyone never got to see on screen, so we're going to give them what they wanted. And what an audience love when you give them what they want. So we're going to have a passionate Zach Braff, Donald Faison love scene in Paris, probably on a ho- in a hotel room that has like one of those balconies with French doors open. You'll see the uh, Eiffel Tower and sunset as they're making love along the, the silhouettes of their bodies, and I'll be very touching, and we'll do that just before they leap to their deaths together. It'll be very touching. Like We'll get the love affair with Zach Braff and Donald Faison that we always wanted. But we'll change our characters a lot. Zach Braff can totally, or uh, Donald Faison can totally pull off the singer part. I think the guy actually did like musical theater and stuff, so the guy's got the chops to sing. And Zach Braff can totally play the the lover fanboy because it's basically what he is in real life. So it's not even really acting for him; it's just being Zach Braff. We don't have names for the characters yet. We may just call them Donnie and Zach, and just like completely nod to the audience that this is what it is. And I think we'll have the angry guy just a little bit in the beginning. You know, you know, John McGinley will be more of a, a cameo, and the whole movie will be a character study on our two main leads, our lovers. It'll be like, we're going to try and out-gay Brokeback Mountain with this movie. Like, I want all of the sappy love movie shots all over Paris, your classical lover's tale in Paris, ending with tragic death. Okay. People will eat that crap up. That's what I got. Are you keeping the title? Don't fuck with the lights. I think it'll be. I think we'll we'll change it to dim the lights. Okay. Because that that adds a sexual, you know, yeah. connotation to the it. mood. All right. So Don, you have the full treatment for dim the lights, a gay romance with the cast of Scrubs in it. That's slightly surreal in the process. Wait, wait. What wait, do I think? Are you? Are you- is this is this movie still in production? Are you seriously? I've read well, the screenplay. Really? What? That's up to you. Is this? Oh my god. Okay. So, dim the lights. Wow. This this actually got even worse. I don't even know how that's possible. So, all right. Let's let's get back to the main idea of what. Okay. So this was about a calm singer, and this is supposed to be. Oh my god. Okay. So let's just change this now. And let's replace every uh, word singer with soldier, because that works, people. We all want to hear sad soldiers singing sad songs. I think that's going to be um, something that's actually going to work. And then, of course, um, with my deep expertise and knowledge about cheekbones and plastic surgery, I, well, definitely, this soldier, um, we're going to change the story so that he 
has to go in and get this horrible surgery to transplant his voice, and they're going to reincarnate the voice of Elvis Presley into him. And obviously, that's going to make him the most amazing singer in the world, and also trigger his superpowers, because what is selling right now? Soldiers, superpowers, and then we're just going to throw in some Legos for fun, because that seems to be hot. Now, instead of meeting someone, I think this individual is actually going to have a, a love affair with some macaroons, because those are super popular in Paris. Sadly, we don't have the budget for Paris, so we're going to move this to Des Moines, and we're going to do a lot of backdrops and green screening, so we're going to have to like actually bring these in, and um, hopefully they don't screw this show up anymore. My god, I, I, I think I can spare 150000 as long as they don't feed the actors. I mean, actors don't need to eat. We want them skinny. Yeah, that, that's my conclusion. Just to double check, 150,000 or 150 million? 150,000. Okay. And I'm talking dollars. I'm actually not I mean, like giving pesos this time. Okay. Yeah, it's dollars. So are, are the actors volunteering their services then? I don't care. Okay. Yeah, I mean, those guys haven't been working for how long now? I mean, I've seen What's-His-Face doing cough drops commercials at this moment. He's desperate. He'll do anything. Anything. Especially if he gets to sing like Elvis Presley. Which, by the way, will have to be lip sync. All right. So, David, you've got a lot of information back from the studio. Oh, yeah. The movie has uh, a budget, small one, but it's there. You've got the cast of Scrubs. You've got... A your your movie is now set in Des Moines and sexy. Yeah, what do you think? Can we make this thing happen? How are we gonna tune up that story? Definitely yes, yes. We can still make it happen. Although my original screenplay was of course a beautiful, masterful piece of work that had no imperfections. I like the soldier angle. I like and I like that they fall in love with macaroons. Was it? I I really do. I think that will. I think people can relate to that more. You know, then the cast from Scrubs all necessarily falling in love with each other. You know, if they're they're at least falling in love with some food, um, to get the foodies in to see the movie. I think that what we're gonna have to do is, if we're gonna involve Elvis Presley in the story at all, we're gonna have to CGI Elvis Presley in. We're gonna have to. There's just no way around it because he's a bit old of a of a character and people aren't gonna remember who he is. So we're gonna have to just have him come on screen and do some some acting, and then he will die on screen in a life and death fight with the cast of Scrubs. Because I mean that just needs to happen. That just needs to happen, and that might take the bulk of our of our budget, but it, it's gonna have to be worth it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to capitalize on what is in vogue these days, superheroes and whatnot, I think that we may have to have a character who is empowered by macaroons and is able to maybe overcome all obstacles. It's kind of like a, you know, a Neo-Popeye kind of a character. Or like how Superman recharges with the sun, this guy recharges with the macaroons. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think that once there's this fight to the death and... You know, the fight is really to capture the singing ability of Elvis Presley so that our our singer can uh, get the the singing soul of Elvis Presley, who Elvis Presley, of course, stole from uh, African-American singers uh, well before him. So it's not even his soul, so it's not necessarily even stealing it from him. You know, it's really kind of reappropriating it back in. 
And so we'll have to have uh, Samuel Jackson as a role, as the one who actually gets that soul from him. I think he's the only one who can really live up to that role. And then, the, you know, the big reveal will be, of course, that he is Nick Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the end. And Nick Fury finally has uh, superpowers, which is something that I think that everyone in the whole Avengers universe has been waiting for. They want Nick Fury to get some furious superpowers, which will be his emotion and his fury that he will get. Yes. All right, so Kyle, you've got some significant changes to your script and your story. You've got the addition of superheroes, and you're now connected to the Marvel Universe. you got macarons. What do you think? Well, like, we can't, with that budget, we can't do the cast of Scrubs. We can't do Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, if the studio can get some of that sweet Marvel money, sure. If the studio can't imagine that, I don't think one. I don't think Marvel even knows this production exists. So I don't know how we're going to tie into the universe. But we're going to do. So we can't do the cast of Scrubs and all. But I, I've got an idea. So I've got a friend who has worked on some children's shows and knows a lot of voice actors. So we're going to get a lot of these great voice actors are are really super talented actors. We're going to put them on camera. You know, we need a superhero guy and everything. We're going to cast Robbie Rist. He's a long time. You may know him as Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. It was the last time he was on screen, but then he did the voice of Michelangelo in the Ninja Turtle movies, the original ones from the early 90s. And he's he's also, currently he's working on the Disney Kids television show Doc McStuffins. That's a real show. I'm not making it Of course. Oh, yeah. Um, so he, he's in Doc McStuffins. We're also going to pull uh, Jess Harnell from Doc McStuffins. Which you might know as well. Uh, another great voice actor. He can really occupy the screen. We'll let him keep his big, loud Hawaiian He's shirts. Nemo's dad, right? Uh, I think so. Wasn't that Ed Asner who played Nemo's dad? I don't remember. Jess Harnell. Yeah, I mean, he's mostly known for playing Ironhide and Transformers because, you know, it's Jess Harnell. Um, and I think he was one of the, the Animaniacs. And then we're also going to cast Gary Anthony Williams. Uh, you might remember him as the the, the the dad and Malcolm in the middle of their uh, the friend who had the breathing problems. I can't remember his name, the kind of overprotective, hyperactive dad. He's also done Modern Ninja Turtles. So we're just use that as our, our cast. Um, just, just put voice actors on screen. That honestly sounds like no one's ever done that before. I don't know why. It's an untapped, like, talent megaverse, and we'll pay them a great rate and everything because voice actors get everything the first take. At least I'm told we'll save money by doing as few takes as possible. Like we we'll just have a on set policy, three takes on every scene max, and that'll just be like that. That'll be my mission. Like I'm just gonna wear a T-shirt that says three takes. I'll just be known as three takes Decker on on set. And these voice actors will come. They're always off book because they're voice actors, so they're because they're used to being off book, right? And then we'll be ready to go. Like. They voice actors so they don't need makeup because they're used to not working with makeup. We won't use makeup or anything. We're going to save tons of money. They're just going to be super talented, funny, like right out of the door. We'll, we'll make sure they wear, wear pants. I hear that's a problem with voice actors sometimes, but then we'll go for that. So, yeah. Eat it out, Comic-Con nerds. you got your favorite voices on camera. All right, so Don, you've got an update to your cast. Wait, seem to have come this, up is, with... this is still going on? This project is still going on? What? It is, yes. It is? I got you the cast from Doc McStuffins. Doc Mc... What do you want Doc from Mc... what? Doc McStuffins? It's fine quality. What? It's an Irish American style animated show. Oh, on you don't Disney need to tell. Kids. We all know. We all know. Yeah. Of course, there were your references. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah. Okay, so let, let me just review this. So, Doc McSomething that seems to be important to people. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna use voice actors on camera. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I can only imagine how great that's going to be. But oh, you say you're doing three takes? Three takes for every shot. That's, well, okay. I'm we'll have three cameras rolling at all times. Wait, wait, you're going to get three cameras? I mean, where are you going to get three cameras from? We'll use DSLRs, it'll be cheap. Oh, we'll have three cameras, so like, three cameras at all times, so the editors will have nine We'll have nine basically I'm, shots to work with to edit. So I'm seeing a every shot wedge. will have nine possible edits for yeah, the editor. Yeah. Because there'll be three takes simultaneously yep, on three yep. cameras. Yeah, I'm seeing a total Blair Witch. It's going to be revolutionary. Way. I can see how this is going to work, as a matter of fact, gentlemen. I can see seeing, oh, yes. I mean, because everyone knows voice actors are some of the ugliest people on earth. So no one's going to be upset if they die in this mystery parody. I mean, they'll be happy when they finally get chucked over the edge of something. They'll be like, thank God I don't have to look at that face anymore. Yes, I think this is something that really might work. And you're right, we probably could get some of that sweet Marvel money. If we could do that. No. Well, are there any other, like, ugly Marvel characters out there? Well, DC ones. Yeah, DC. Yeah, DC characters. Ugly man. He's pretty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, okay. I'm starting to see the magic, boys. I'm starting to see the magic on this one. But remember that we still have to include the surgery because part of the funding, well, $150,000 of the funding, is coming from Joe's Slab Shop, which is where, you know, anyone who's anyone gets their plastic surgery done. And so we have to still have 45% of this movie take place within the surgery procedures and um, showing how painless it is. Now, I think with the voice transplant, with the soldier, you know, with the super ugly people, oh, that's perfect, because if it's surgery, everyone will have their faces covered anyways, and if we can land anyone from Scrubs who's desperate, they're used to having their faces covered. Oh, gentlemen, I'm sold. I am sold. Let's make this movie happen, but let's call it Extend the Lights. I'm going to go get a manicure. Okay. So I'm going to plug all of this data into our basically omniscient movie machine. Can't lose. And um, go ahead and pull the lever here, which sounds like a lot of voice actors crying simultaneously. <laughs> you mean starving simultaneously? Yeah. <laughs> so this movie actually doesn't ever get released, because as it turns out, it costs millions of dollars to provide distribution to put a movie out throughout the United States and internationally. And with a budget of $150,000, the studio just says, nah, that's not happening. So your, your movie kind of doesn't happen, so nobody really sees it. However, a few years after, some of the voice actors that you cast in it start talking about it at like conventions, because voice actors basically make their livings doing conventions and like talking <laughs> about the stuff they were on. So eventually a print of this movie leaks. Like Jess Harnell like, smuggles it out in one of his oversized Hawaiian shirts. Or like under his giant mop, mop of hair, and he's able to to show part of it at a convention. The studio, you know, shuts it down and you know takes it back. But there are you know cell phone videos of this from the convention and everything. And so it becomes this kind of like running joke, sort of like the the modern you know the day the clown cried, where it's like this legendary movie that no one's ever seen, but everyone like loves to talk about. So you don't make any money. But you kind of become this like weird cult phenomenon that voice actors talk about and reference at conventions all the time. So you each have a couple minutes to go back. You can make some final changes before that potential future happens. The movie machine is omniscient. It can see into the future. Or you can just call it art and, uh, you know, 150000 isn't all that much. It's like a year's salary for one of your surgeons. So, All right, David, we'll start with you. 
All right. I think in order to get this made, maybe our, our main change is to make this animated. And then the voice actors, I mean, it makes more sense for us to have all voice actors. The story itself, though, as far as changes, I mean, boy, I would just want to see if I could add more explosions, maybe. And maybe put the love story back in. If there's some way to get the cast of Scrubs to fall in love with a cast of... You know, maybe another show where we could get some cheap actors, something that's, you know, been canceled years ago. I'm thinking Knight Rider, you know, uh, the surviving members from Knight Rider uh, could come in because there's a, a lot. I mean, there's name recognition. No one remembers anything about it, but people will know. They're like, oh, I hear Knight Riders involved. It's basically Principal Feeney and Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically all Knight Rider was. Oh. Hasselhoff was in Kung Fury, which had a, a budget of $660,000. Well, and actually, I was picturing more falling in love with the car, you know, rather okay. than, I mean, I guess the actors, too, um, can make that work. But I, I was thinking that the car would be the cheapest uh, of all the performers in the show. That was what my theory was. But that's all the changes that I would make. Kyle, what about you? Would you make any last ones? I didn't make any changes, but I've had some interesting development. So I was able to buy the rights to the film from the studio for three packs of Magic cards and a, and a half-eaten box of Nutter Butters. And they signed the rights right over to me. And they didn't think I'd do anything. And I'm honestly proud to have created the 21st century version of the cr clown who didn't cry but without racist Holocaust jokes. Like, to be able to pull that off, to have the notoriety of that movie without having to rely on Holocaust jokes, that's an achievement. Like, I should get a medal or something for that. But what I've done is I've, I've got the script, and since I have the rights, what I've done is I've invited all the voice actors back, plus a couple more to fill out the stream. I've had invited Billy West, you know, to, to join us and, uh, and some of the others. Uh, and... Uh, we're doing this on a stage where we're just we're touring cons. I've got uh, 12 shows open at the Largo, and they're just going to sit down and pure voice actor, they're just going to read the script. But I'm going to give them free range to do whatever characters they've done in their career. So Jess Parnell can read half the script as Wacko from the Animaniacs if he wants. He can do it as Ironhide. And it'll just be this great tour de force of this terrible script read by the best voice actors in the business in whatever voice they want. And just have them do it, and, and you know, I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll give them pay. Like, the first four shows of the Largo are already sold out, and we have the main room at, at Comic-Con set aside for this. Like, this thing is going to take off. I think, you know, Billy West doing the whole thing is Stephen Fry, you know, Fry from... from uh, Philip J. Fry. Philip J. Fry, yeah, that guy. What are Stephen Fry? I've never watched Futurama. What do I know? It's, it's just going to be huge. It's just going to be what, what I'm going to turn this the echoes of the dark channels of the internet into a pop culture phenomenon, at least for nerds at conventions. All right. Don, what do you think? Is about, this, uh, about what? what you had imagined? Or what? what are we talking about? Your, your movie was never released, and then Kyle bought the rights what? and made it profitable. Are we still talking about that? I mean, does that thing still exist? Oh, my gosh, that steamy pile of crap. It's now a stage play. Kind of. Well, great. Then that's fantastic, because, boy, if it won't make it in film, it'll sure <laughs> make it on stage. So I guess that's lovely. Uh, I heard a rumor that we actually sold it for some crap, like nerd <laughs> stuff, and apparently that's lovely. And see, my life is already... It was a rare in one of those packs. That, wow. It was a foil. Yeah. Wow. Oh, lucky, lucky you. <laughs> and I, um, I've kind of uh, moved on to successful things, so I've um, not really considered this project anymore, but I'm really happy that someone 
has gotten something from it and good on them. Otherwise, um, so my life is going great. I, I'm going to, you know, go have lunch with Steven Spielberg, and uh, we're going to go be talking about like my next starring role. So, yeah, do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. Really? You're really interested in that? Okay, great. Okay, so I'm going to play an optometrist in a place where everyone is blind, but then things are going to turn around in a crazy way where all of a sudden everyone goes deaf as well. So this is really gripping, and I guess we could probably talk about this on another episode if you want to. Does it be like that movie Blindness, but with deaf people? No. Oh. Sounds like a real feel-good movie, though. Well, no, there's a lot of feeling, because people are blind and deaf, so we have to feel each other a lot. Yeah, you... I'm told it's not porn. But <laughs> anyways, so yeah, this movie that, I mean, whatever the thing, dim whatever of the lights. Um, so as far as I know, just everyone dies in the end, and that always makes me happy. I like a lot of death. All right, so I've put the information back into the movie machine, and before I could pull the lever, it just screamed at me, no, don't, don't make me process this again. So, nothing has really changed. Kyle makes a small amount of money making voice actors do shit they don't want to, so... I paid off my condo in Burbank with that sweet money, yo. Yeah. So, there you have it, folks. Dim the lights. And, as always, we will end our episode with a quote of wisdom from our divine saint, Guy Fieri. Lots of people make fun of me, but the truth is I'm just a man. I like food, I like people, and I like making people happy with food. I have a wife, I have two sons, I love them more than anything. Sure, my TV personality might not be for everyone, but that's okay. I just want to live my life. Please, leave me in peace. I am a man. I have dignity. I am a man. Is he a man? Wow. Are you sure? Is he a man? Did we break him? <laughs>